Welcome to Let's Hear It. Let's Hear It is a podcast for and about the field of foundation and nonprofit communications, produced by its two co-hosts, Eric Brown and Kirk Brown. No relation. Well said, Eric. And I'm Kirk. And I'm Eric. The podcast is sponsored by the Communications Network and the Lumina Foundation. We're talking to people about their work and what's happening in the field with the hopes of making this growing arena just a little bit more accessible to us all. You can find Let's Hear It on any podcast subscription platform. You can find us on Twitter at Let's Hear It Cast, and you can email us at hello at Let's Hear Let us know if you have any thoughts about what you hear today, including people we should have on the show. And if you like the show, please, please, please rate us on Apple Podcasts so that more people can find us. So let's get on to the show. You're here. You found us. Welcome in. We're so glad to have you. It's Let's Hear It for 2021. And I'm so glad to be joined today by my always special co-host, co-producer, but creative director for this enterprise, Mr. Eric Brown. Welcome to 2021. How you doing? Kirk Brown, how the, how the hell have you been? You know, we've been away for a little bit. We've been gone for a bit. And I think it's because the world has been very hard to process, hasn't it? <laughs> well, for starters, we usually release episodes on a Wednesday. And mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but my Wednesdays have been a little, I've been a little distracted lately on Wednesdays. And, uh, and so, you know, it also seems like it was time to just kind of process and take it all in. And, and now season three is here. Can you imagine? Season three. How about I that? can't believe it. It's this is an entirely a testament to your tirelessness. <laughs> That's entirely what's going on here that we're in this season three. Can I say though, I mean, there's been conversation everywhere, but but how do you feel now that we're here with the transition? And let's face it, we've just been seeing some brutal, brutal things happen in the federal, you know, in Washington, DC, that is just a reflection of just the horror stories, you know, from last year at so many levels. So how are you processing everything? How is this feeling for you at this point? You mean, what does a cynical optimist do? Yeah. <laughs> to, to get, yeah, to, go. To, to reconcile the two poles of their crazy oh. way of thinking. Yes, uh, please. Yeah. I mean, I do think that if last year was, if last year was a, a year in which we talked about building for the future, and in which we turn we talked about not just playing defense but but planning and building then this year is the year i i hope that we talk about what we're going to do with all that building about the opportunity that actually exists for nonprofit organizations and foundations to actually make a difference to do something and i'm excited about that i do think that oh it's going to be hard let's just not kid ourselves <laughs> <laughs> that the world has been solved because Joe Biden is the president. Yeah, Far from it. Right. But right. you can certainly see about how the opportunities present themselves in much, much, much different ways than they did before. And given that we talk about communications and how to advocate and how to build movements, these tools are essential. That, that, that's kind of sort of how I'm feeling right now. Well, and you know, it's funny because I was looking back at some of the end of year episodes we posted, and um, I think you got onto a very prescient track at the end of the year because, you know, those last few episodes, Joy Harjo, we will emerge from this wounding. You know, your colleagues from The Antidote talking about the role of kindness, Daniel Lee 
you know, showing us what decades of relentless work in this space can produce and accomplish. Um, I feel like you were kind of preparing us to turn the page, even with those conversations from last year. And you were, and, um, you were preparing me to, to belly up to a bar that is closed with all of your disinformation and misinformation. But nevertheless, <laughs> is it closed? I just can't is wait the to misinformation bar. bar closed? Is the misinformation bar closed? <laughs> so we we don't play this game very often. So I just I do want to test you on one of my oh, you know and, and, and famously David Roberts let me go on very politely. He listened. He listened intently, and then he said, "Yeah, I think you're wrong." <laughs> so 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 get ready, get ready. What? But here's my question for you. Here's my question Uh-oh. for you. Not the idea, but the actual, the individual. So now I'm t- asking you not about the idea. So so the idea is megalomaniac individual can threaten the core of democracy, seemingly given this horrible combination of factors that are playing out now in our country, in our, in our media landscape. Do we have an individual on the radar screen that we can identify that has the has the credentials that a Donald Trump brought to that equation in terms of his decades long presence in the public psyche and the public consciousness, and is and is that element is that part of this story a black swan ingredient that may not be so readily resurrected even as we wrestle with all these things related to misinformation the economic issues that are ahead you know this incredible polarization, the fact that we don't even know what's true, given how much of this is bots and propaganda, et cetera. But what about just that piece? Is there an individual that we can identify that has that decades long history so that they can occupy that megalomaniac place? Like was, was Donald Trump basically a black swan eh, in that sense? I don't see it that way. I, I see it kind of the right is from Mars and the left is from Venus, that you hmm. the, the right needs a megalomaniac. It needs somebody to unlock or to tap into these festering challenges and things like that. And the, the I think that the left, that progressive thinking, progressive politics is really based on a communitarian approach and that you need communities across the country coming together that I don't think that we're that we're quite as uh, susceptible to that level of populism. Now, I could be wrong and somebody could come along and and show me that I'm wrong. But I, I think that the much more enduring set of movements are, are created from a, a uh, loosely a federation not mm. not a, a, a mm. presidency per se, you know, a small right. president or whatever you want to call it, and not a centrally organized or, or controlled set of politics. I also, I mean, that's enduring. That's the thing that will, that you can build on. It's the thing that has generational power. Uh, mm-hmm. it, is, it doesn't um, get overturned when your megalomaniac goes off to <laughs> their stupid place. Well, you know, and we've tried a lot of ground on this podcast. We don't typically live in the federal policy domain. I mean, a lot of all of this work has implications there. And we've had some people who really live there, but we've had a lot of people on who've been doing work in a much more local context and, you know, statewide, regional, et cetera. Um, And not even always so much focused on policy. I mean, oftentimes focused on providing really crucial human services and things like that. I will say one of the things I'm I'm interested to see play out here, um, whatever your feelings might be about the broad brush of politics in America and who comes forward and who gets elected and who gets chosen and what's right or wrong about that, it does strike me that the one thing that is not in question in this moment is the question of competency. 
the notion that we have this president who comes from this long tenure in Washington, D.C., who is a two-term vice president, who's got this team of people now he's putting into, into different spots that all have been there and have done that and also seem to be saying, and we're trying to learn from our past mistakes, so let's try to do this better. I, I think when I really pause and think back, at it, it just irrespective of left or right, when you look back at the last cadence of presidential administrations, this notion that we can draw on such a competent bench of players to get this work done. To me, I think that this is almost like the question of the day is like, what does just simple competency get us in all these key areas? What do you think about that? I think it's a start, but I also think that what we don't, we really don't know what we don't know because we don't have the lived experience for that a lot of folks who are dealing with challenges and who are, have frankly been locked out of the opportunity to gain competency uh, can mm. offer. So I, I, I think it's great to be able to know how to run things and how to make organizations work and how to communicate and all that other stuff. But what we have to have to have to do is to begin to plan for the future and to provide people who have a perspective that has long been denied the chance to offer that perspective and to gain access to the decisions that get made that will ensure that everybody is is welcome and everyone belongs. So I, I think that the the transition from competency to the new thing is is what this administration is going to have to do. You you can see glimmers of it and you can see opportunities for that, uh, but the they'll the hill they'll have to really deliver on this. There's a promise mm. out there and that promise has to be delivered. And I I think. So getting kind of getting back to this kind of building for the future, if the if season three of Let's Hear It, if our theme <laughs> is building for the future and actually mm. not building for the future, but is actually delivering on the promise. Yeah. You know, uh, then I, I think that understanding how how that works is really important. And obviously the role of narrative and communications and being able to um, to to unlock that potential Will be the sort will be the sorts of conversations I, that I'm most interested in having this year. And oh, and by the way, just I'm going to throw in a huge plug for mm. folks who are out there listening. I hope welcome back. I hope you've missed us. <laughs> uh, right. we, we we missed you. We missed you. We hope you're well. We love your ideas on this. We'd love mm. love to have more of these kinds of conversations and your thoughts about who we should have on the show. And if you are listening, please uh, drop us a line. Let us know what's going on out there. I've got a special request. Uh oh, Amanda Gorman. Oh. <laughs> what are the odds? I, I Can we please? <laughs> probably. Um, she might have a, a couple of other better. Do you think? <laughs> better requests. Is it possible? In the queue. <laughs> Do you think? Is it possible? What she's? Did she no? not just light up a country oh, in whatever oh. it was in six minutes or something like that? Is there not power? <laughs> In oh my in words and in oh taking goodness. those ideas and and making them sing, yeah. What just just what a moment and um you know given what they were working with the needing to do things virtually not having the huge massive collection of people out in the mall, the security backdrop that was against all of it just to have Amanda Corbin just wow. be this beacon this beacon right so of wonderful. hope and direction and just. You know, and we've we've talked about this a bit on this podcast, but this whole notion of part of our role needs to be this very intentional. I don't even think torch passing is the right way to say it because, frankly, the people bringing the torches up from behind, like or holding torches. them lighted higher, yeah. exactly. Yeah, no, they're just but torches. but just this, this notion, like, a lot like stakeholders. 
Yeah. <laughs> Every time anyone says stakeholders, I just I see the you know the Frankenstein yeah. uh, and people yeah. carrying torches. Yeah. So as we turn the page, what are we looking at? So I, I think, you know, solutions, solutions, solutions. I would love to be hearing voices across all these issues that we're working in that are really pushing this envelope now. Um, you know, we're going to have a chance to see how, uh, again, competent or well-intentioned or hopefully, um, you know, hopefully we'll see some progress legislatively at the federal level, see how that extends through to what that means for states and communities. I'm also really interested in exploring this urban rural concept and what's real and what's not about that. And just, you know, where, where's our focus of progressive change and positive change in a way that, you know, when we think about equity and, and, and inclusion, how that extends, you know, out of the urban core mm -hmm. and, and covers all of our, our States and all of our geographies. I'm really interested in that. I mean, what your, are some ideas? People. What are some, yeah, yeah. It says the says the native island. <laughs> a gentle reminder to philanthropy and scale that you know people live everywhere in this country. Um, the flyover, but, uh, the flyover, <laughs> the flyover states have people working really hard, doing cool things. That's, so that's why um, you get that crick in your neck. Yeah, that's looking it. Looking at the plane. <laughs> just keep looking up, seeing seeing what the interesting people are doing. Yeah, way up there, going? thirty thousand feet. That was literally my experience growing up in Des Moines, Iowa. You'd look up and you'd see these planes because they were always really, really high, right? Because right. they were they were like they were not, full coming, they were not landing at Des Moines. <laughs> no, that's right. They were not. Airport. They were not in the flight path. Exactly, exactly. You know, I've been to Who Des Moines, else? Iowa. Once, uh, more than once. I I performed. Did you I performed it in Des Moines, Iowa. Really? Yes. <sighs> in the national tour of Pippin in 1975. Oh. That is awesome. When I was negative so, eight years old. At least. <laughs> so I so, so I've been did... I, so I, I I was in the I was in the you know, we traveled by bus so I was in the bus under state. Oh, that's awesome. I was going to say, I was expecting you to say I took one of the highways through because Des Moines is like at the intersection <laughs> of north, south, east, west. So I thought you would say we stopped long enough to, I don't know, grab a oh, bite and move on. Th this that's is this great. is very important for this podcast. I'm sure people are going to love to hear this story. Mm. But when I was in yeah. Iowa, we, we played Iowa State, whatever whatever college is in Iowa City, Iowa. Uh, University of Iowa, University, thank you very much. Yeah. So yeah. we were in Iowa and we stayed, at, I remember this, at the, the um, Carousel Motor Inn. And in the middle of the night, I heard sounds pop, right. Pop, pop, pop. I thought, what the hell is that? And I opened the front door of our motel room, and there were bullet holes in it. What? <laughs> my my first this New York City kid. Uh, uh, my first experience with violent crime was wow. in Iowa City, Iowa. Are you sure? Someone are you sure there weren't the door of our motel? They weren't hunting pheasants. They weren't looking for no, a deer. There was money oh, all no. over the hallway. Someone tried to rob the. Oh, the front no. desk. Terrible, so, terrible, terrible. So my yes, my experience in Iowa was was, was crime ridden. Well, we're excited to, to be back. Moving, turning the page. You know, from a crime ridden past. No, I want to move on. Right, don't, don't disparage okay. my native state. Okay. So I we're going to look for solutions, optimism, hope, people that inspire us, just like we've been doing this past uh, two years now, heading into year three. I never thought we'd get here, Mr. Brown, not because of you, but because of me, but, right. uh, but you've been keeping us on track and that's just really awesome and wonderful. So I'm excited. Yeah. So any last words for our folks as we, uh, as we take this journey into its third year? I'm just looking forward to more of these conversations and the feedback that we've gotten from people has been really, really great. And uh, I, there's so much to learn. There's a lot to be hopeful for. And there are a lot of folks that I want to talk to and uh, and to talk. And, uh, you know, it's just it's been exciting and fun. And I'm looking forward to more of the same. 
at some point during this coming calendar year, we will also have a podcast that includes a reflection on how nice it is to be able to be in person once again. <laughs> Think about that. That's coming. It's coming. I can't wait. So everyone, stay safe, stay healthy, stay sane, stay connected. Get your vaccine as quickly as you can as the uh, order is set. And um, we're just so thrilled to have you with us. Thank you for listening. And please, as Eric pointed out, let us know who you'd like to be hearing from. It's going to be a fun year to talk to really inspiring folks. And, and we can't wait to do it with all of you. Any last words, Eric, before we jump off? Thanks for listening, folks. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. That's Let's Hear It. And that's it for this episode. Please let us know if you have any thoughts about what you heard today or people we should have on the show. And that includes yourself. We'd like to thank Maggie Brown, our intrepid production coordinator. John Ali, the tuneful and inspiring composer of our theme music. We'd also like to thank our sponsors, the Communications Network, the Lumina Foundation, and the Heinz Endowments. Thank you, thank you. And check out the Heinz Endowment, their terrific podcast, We Can Be. That's hosted by Grant Oliphant, and you can find it at heinz.org slash podcast. We would certainly like to thank today's guest, and of course, all of you. And thank you, Mr. Brown. <laughs> no, no. Thank you, Mr. Brown. <laughs> Till next time. Let's hear it. <laughs>